Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. I am your humble host, Brian Nichols, associate editor at the Libertarian Republic. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience feeling educated, enlightened, and informed. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty, and please feel free to subscribe to our Patreon at B Nichols Liberty to help us keep on producing this content that you enjoy. Have any questions or comments? Send me an email over at Show at gmail.com. Also, please feel free to share today's podcast with your family and friends to help us keep promoting this message of liberty. And finally... Please take a moment and rate us and review us over on iTunes. Also, side note, if you are interested in one of these phenomenal conversation starters, the Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People Stuff's bumper sticker, again, shoot me an email over at Show at gmail.com for more details. And one more aside, I promise one more aside, folks. If you're interested in making a one-time donation to The Brian Nichols Show, shoot me a donation on PayPal. You can find it, again, at Show at gmail.com. And today I am joined by Mark Walzik. Mark is the Republican candidate for the 116th New York State Assembly District up in my neck of the woods in northern New York State. He attended the University of Albany, graduating in 2007 with a bachelor degree in history and a double minor in political science and education. Mark is a first lieutenant in the United States Army Reserve and has spent the past decade working with the great state senator, Patty Ritchie, spending more than two years as her legislative director in the last four years, or four and a half years, rather, as her district director. It is my honor, it is my privilege to introduce not only a phenomenal individual, but a guy I call a really near and dear friend, Mark Walzik. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Wow, Mr. Nichols, so good to be with you here today and uh, really honored to be on the program and look forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for that awesome introduction. <laughs> Do you get a lot of practice with that? I mean, I've been doing this uh, this this show now for we're going on, oh my God, already almost 10 months. And uh, I've, I've had a lot of folks coming on the show ranging from federal uh, candidates all the way down to uh, our, our state and local politics. Um, I, I actually just mentioned I had one of your uh, cohorts who was running over in the district right next door in the 118th, Philip Page. He, uh, he was running for the Republican nomination. Uh, and then Keith Rubino running as the, the Democratic candidate over in the 116th. Um, so I, I must say I love doing these type of interviews because I think it's, it's a great opportunity for, for people to not only get to know more about you, but also to learn what brought you to the the situation you are in now, which is running for New York State Assembly. Now, Mark, you've been in the the political world for pretty much you know my entire professional career. Um, you know, I, I remember working with you as you were working with with uh, Patty Ritchie, uh, and obviously Patty Ritchie, state senator up in New York, and she's a very near and dear close family friend. Um, and to see you know your progress through her her uh candidacies running not only as her legislative director but now uh well just formally as the uh, the district director and then i i forgot to mention and this is shame on me you're you're currently the sitting uh city councilman over in watertown new york um so for for a guy who you know you're you're like we talked before the show even started you're you're a passionate history buff um, yes, you, you're interested in politics, but here you are, you're, you're taking the step to, to run for a state office. Mark, what on earth brought you to say, you know what, let's, let's put ourselves in the, the forefront here and, uh, and take the step to run for elected office. Yes. Yeah, staffer to elected, right. Is That's kind right. of the, 
the question that you're asking. I don't, you know what? There's a, a long history here. It's tough to really know what your life path is going to bring. Um, you know, for, service has always been at the forefront um, from the time that I was a Boy Scout and working on service projects. Um, and I, I made Eagle Scout in the Hiawatha Seaway Council. It's not called the uh, Longhouse Council up here, um, but covers this entire area. And, um, it, you know, right out of high school, I actually was pretty impacted by the 9-11 terrorist attacks and uh, had one of those classic arguments with my parents about uh, whether I should join the Marine Corps and fight for our country or whether I should go to college. Uh, they, they agreed to uh, help me with a four-year degree. Uh, so I went off to SUNY Albany and uh, that, that itch never really left to uh, serve. So uh, six and a half years ago, I joined the uh, United States Army Reserve, raised my right hand and uh, have had a, an awesome career there. And it's been a, a lot of fun and very educational. I wouldn't change that for the world. In, uh, I guess to, to answer the, the staff side of things, my full-time employment was State Senator Patty Ritchie started. Uh, I interned my last semester at the University of Albany they got a great internship program with the Senate and uh, got placed in Senate office. Um, and the exposure there was really interesting. I started to learn about the politics and the policies in Albany and uh, worked hard and got hired on full time in the Senate. Uh, had the opportunity to work for Senator Patty Ritchie. And uh, after Playing the commuting game, um, which is really interesting. A, a lot of people think about the DC politicians, you know, flying into the Beltway and then going back to their district. Uh, they're, you know, there's staff that commutes as well. And especially when the, in mm -hmm. the New York State mm -hmm. Legislature, there's a, a long commuting distance because we've got a really big state here and Albany's not that close for everybody. Um, so I actually wasn't a weekly commuter. I would uh, live in Albany for six months out of the year and then live back in the district for six months out of the year. So I was always moving my stuff. Um, and after a couple of years of being legislative director for her, uh, I joined the Army Reserves, which planted me a little bit more firmly in the district. She shifted my role from uh, LD legislative director to district director to really focus on constituent services and uh, finally had the opportunity to uh, plant roots and, and be a part of a community. And it didn't take long, um, a, a few years in Watertown, and I saw an opportunity on the Watertown City Council to do some good in my community. Said, hey, I've got a skill set here. I know something about government and how it works. And I watched some things that our local government that was, was doing that lacked some common sense and some know-how and um, have had a really, really good time uh, serving the people of the city of Watertown. It's no secret uh, to So people. it was kind of yeah. like a... Go ahead. And, and in, incremental, you know, one thing at a time. Um, and here I am a few years uh, after uh, getting elected to the Watertown City Council and this opportunity to run for New York State Assembly and, and serve an even greater portion of northern New York, um, having followed some great example from Senator Patty Ritchie. And uh, I have the opportunity here to be a partner for her in Albany. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, we're running a really competitive campaign. And uh, yeah, here I am. <laughs> I was gonna say it's no secret to folks who who listen to the Brian Nichols show regularly that you know I I was very involved in Northern New York politics for for pretty much most of my life. Um, I, I served on uh, Dave Forsythe's campaign back in 20, uh, 2010, which was at that time formerly the one hundred eighteenth Assembly District, but it's still now you know even though it's one hundred sixteenth and it's it's rebranding, it's still the River District. It's it's still you know right along basically from Messina, New York down to uh, Cape Vincent. You're correct, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong there. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. you're right. Uh, Messina to Sackets Harbor. Okay, they, so they they change it a little bit, not not too much right. there, yep. but but uh, I mean, <laughs> I've been involved in New York State politics and this particularly Northern New York politics for again pretty much my entire adult life. And Mark, you've always been one of those people who any any parade you go to where Patty Ritchie was at, you're always the one of the the, the main faces that you see. Um, and I think people really got to not only enjoy seeing you there with Patty Ritchie, but then again, like you, you mentioned that you start to get ingrained in these communities. You know, it's one thing to go and you're marching in a parade, but it's another thing where you're going to these parades and you're going and meeting these people, you know, month after month, year after year, and you become really ingrained in the, the communities and you just feel like you need to do something more. And I know I've had the itch myself, but unfortunately being down here in Philadelphia, I would have a very t- you know tall hill to climb. Um, but to see you taking the step um, to to actually run for New York State Assembly, um, it's it's a phenomenal opportunity for you, uh, not just for yourself professionally, but to actually make a, lo- a long lasting impact in the community. And I say that because for those who, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Northern New York's uh, political landscape, so the the River District um, and its founding, which I think it was two thousand and two, if I'm correct, um, it went under the uh, the uh, control of, at the time, it was Assemblyman Daryl Aubertine. Uh, Daryl ran through, I think it was until 2007, I believe, until um, at the uh, time... Special election. Special uh, election, February that's right. 2008. 2008, there we go. I, I knew it was up in there in that, in, in that range of uh, late 2000s, um, yep. where he, he ran for a special election after Senator Jim Wright stepped down. Um, Aubertine ended up winning the, the election in the special election, uh, and then uh, you're the, the the incumbent who has been in the 118th, now the 116th uh, Assembly District, Addie Jenny Russell. Um, now just Addie Russell, correct? Or Addie Jean? Uh, Addie Jenny these days. Ad, yep. Addie Jenny. Okay. So um, Addie Jenny basically won his, his seat after he left. Um, and she's been there ever since, since 2008. So, you know, here we are, you have a 10-year t- incumbent and, and Mark Walzak's, you know, taking the, the, the shot to to dethrone someone who's really been in politics in the North Country for a very long time. I mean, decades, nothing to to uh, cast any aspersions at. So, I mean, with that being said, obviously, I, I think you have a great chance at, at winning this seat. But, you know, what do you hear on the street when you're, you're going around to these, these various districts uh, within, or areas within your district, rather, and you're talking to people um, throughout the community. What are you hearing in terms of feedback um, at your prospects of being the next assemblyman there in northern New York? I mean, people are looking for a reason to hope. Um, we we hate to hear stories of guys who love this area and care about this region and want to make it better, and they had to move to Philadelphia. No, you know, I don't. I, no shots fired here. No, nope, no. Nope. Um, but because there's not enough opportunities here in Northern New York, um, I'm I'm tired of seeing my friends uh, get educated here and move out of state. And um, you know, it's, <laughs> Governor Cuomo actually, I think it was this morning the news broke on it anyway. Um, you know, some people are moving out of New York State because the weather is no good. Uh, the weather's fine up here. We like ice fishing and snowmobiles where, where I come from. Um, but the, the taxation and the uh, climate for businesses here, uh, so not the weather climate, the business climate is what's driving people yep. out of New York State. Agreed. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, people are looking for a reason to, to hope. Um, so with that, obviously, they're looking for something different than the status quo and the status quo has been high taxes high regulations um a decrease in jobs people are leaving the district as you pointed out so let's let's dig into your platform a little bit because you know obviously this is a more libertarian leaning podcast so 
Um, I think it's important for my audience, but also uh, the audience by and large within the North Country to hear not only a little bit of a different perspective, but just to to hear the platform from the candidate themselves. So let's let's just start from the top. What would you say are the top three issues that your campaign is going to be addressing here as we, we go into the final month or so of the the uh, the, can, uh, the candidacy? But then to take a step further, let's dig into those individual um, you know step by step platforms and really dig into the meat and potatoes. Yeah, uh, top three are going to be jobs, uh, the opioid crisis, and infrastructure. Okay, so let's start with jobs. Um, what's the the Mark Walzak plan? I guess you know diagnose the the issue, and then let's dig into how you're going to fix it. All right, it's bare it's bare knuckle. Um, the the funny thing about this edge of the platform is that we're going to we're going to talk about a civics lesson if that's okay. Well, actually that probably fits your audience pretty pretty well because yep, they love to talk roll. about government and what their role is in our life. Um, and this is something I, I talk about on the stump quite a bit. So, uh, the major argument that my opponent has made along the campaign trail is that uh, she's brought home the bacon, i.e., you know, call it pork barrel or Sam Grants or member items or whatever they come up with the next cycle, um, where it means a politician is going to Albany and bringing a check back of our money and, and celebrating it and looking for a thank you note in our communities. Um, my point is you don't take that money from us in the first place, and we're probably better off because we know how to spend it and how to grow it. Um, and businesses certainly don't don't want to take it out of their pocket in the first place. They want to create jobs here locally. Um, so that's one on the on the economic development end. Uh, we really have gone in the wrong direction, and uh, it's sort of not to not to run down the corruption uh, rails, but it breeds corruption at the same time. When you look at what's happened in the governor's office, and uh, we're looking at a lot of things with my opponent in the money that she's uh, handed out in this district, and there's. A lot of people questioning where is that money going right now and who specifically is it going to? Because um, we've heard stories about her wiring it to specific individuals or at least trying to. Um, just straight up uh, corruption. But the bottom line is that crony, crony capitalism isn't working for job development and that's not the way to do business in New York State. The way to do business, um, so here's where I'll talk about government's role and your legislator's role in it. As a New York State Assembly member, I'm one of 150, and you've got 63 New York State Senators in New York, right? So you're like, all right, well, there's a lot of big numbers there. Um, when you're talking about policy, you certainly got to build coalitions. And every day you're running the grunt work. And I guess I know this because as legislative director to- You did it. <laughs> and then as you know, working in constituent services for so long, I know that the way that you help businesses isn't necessarily like rolling out a big jobs plan. Um, the way that you help businesses is a check on executive power. And when you talk to people in, in businesses, especially across this district, you can name agencies by their, their three letters. And you know that that strikes fear in the heart of a mm -hmm. business owner if they know that a visit is coming whether it be from the Department of Labor, or Department of Health, or Department of Environmental Conservation, or whatever it is, right? You're afraid to dig a ditch in your front yard because if the <laughs> DEC sees, then I'll get slapped with a fine. Yep. But I think it's very important for us to remember that these agencies, they work for us. We pay their bills. Um, <laughs> our tax dollars go to them, and 
they're they're subordinate to the public and not the other way around. And we we have no we should have no reason to fear our government in New York State. And we do right now. And that's backwards. And that's why you need to send a fighter that's ready to stand toe to toe with those agencies, know the difference between what's in statute and what's in regulation. Mm -hmm. And when someone is just in a bad mood at their bureaucratic desk, and when it's time to to fight and change policies so that we can grow businesses here in northern New York. So I had Keith Rubino on my show back a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and Keith, God bless him, he came on the show as a democratic socialist. And, you know, I obviously held his feet to the fire because I, I disagree on principle with a lot of the issues and, and the, the platforms that he was promoting uh, based on principle. And, and with that, one of the things he discussed in terms of looking at these various government bureaucracies and, and regulatory agencies within New York State government, it was the argument he made, well, we're just not, we're just not spending the money properly. We're just mismanaging. We just need people who are going to go into government and basically do government better. So I know obviously you're not running against Keith, but to that argument, what say you, Mark Walzak? I mean, my opponent said similar things. Uh, asked recently about the regional economic development councils and the way that they dole out money. She, she said, well, we, you know, we really just need to tweak the program. And also, I think because the dairy farmers are hurting, we need a handout for them, too. The solution was more taxing and more spending and more government, just like, in quotes, better government. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And that that really is the mentality. And I'm not saying don't elect legislators that don't want to do it better. Obviously, that's a no brainer. Um, but at the same time, thinking that government is going to have the solution for everything may make good campaign fodder. And I think we do a little bit too much of that as the electorate is we kind of look to them and they say and we say, hey, solve all of our problems and I'll vote for you. I think it takes a, another minute, and your audience probably understands this pretty well, to actually understand the system and uh, to understand what the legislator's role it, is in it and, and making sure that we elect legislators that have the correct principles um, because the rest is going to fall in place. Couldn't have set up a better segue because that leads into number two of your top priorities, the opioid epidemic and the opioid crisis, especially up in northern New York. Now, for those of you who are not aware of the issue uh, that's facing, I mean, I, I'm sure you, you're aware in just in general of the opioid epidemic across the, the nation, but being up in Northern New York State, which is right on the border with uh, with Canada, uh, we, we have a very high uh, trafficking of opioids across the border uh, in terms of heroin, um, you know, uh, prescription drugs. So the reaction from a lot of people is to say, government, fix this. And... I want to hear what's your proposal to to either a have government fix it or b some alternative means to help address this very real issue that's impacting the everyday lives of average North Country citizens. Yeah, look, the the more and more that I learn about this issue, it's a lot. Drugs drugs tend to be the symptom of a problem that's much deeper. Um, and I, I hate to immediately circle back to jobs, but when you look at the recidivism rates in areas that don't have a lot of employment opportunities, jobs are a really big part of the solution. It, does government play a role here? Yeah, absolutely. Making sure that we're cracking down on heroin dealers and that um, in New York State, we've kind of created a revolving door where they've lightened sentences and drug dealers are getting out on parole and going right back to the same beat with the same market and the same individuals that they're working with. 
um, in less than a year in many cases. Um, so we've created that revolving door in our prison system. And we could talk about prison reform as well, which uh, needs a lot of work in New York State. <laughs> Um, and and uh, there's a, there's another point. I mean, we have a lot of corrections officers, and we we have uh, state prisons in this district um, that are really important to pay attention to. There's there's a multi-pronged approach, but I think at its core, um, there's some hurting people in our society uh, that we we really need to uh, to pay attention to. And I think you're right. I think a lot of times when we talk about that, the core of this, there isn't a government solution, so to speak. There's more of a societal solution. Um, so drugs are more the symptom. And I, I was, I just got a tour of Rose Hill, uh, which is a treatment facility. Actually, I think it was yesterday. It's tough when you're on the campaign trail, you lose track of, yeah, it was yesterday. It was definitely yesterday. I was up in Messina and I toured Rose Hill. Um, and they treat, treat adolescents from 12 to 20 who are addicted to various different drugs. And in talking to one of the counselors there, we dove down into the issues and the issue wasn't addiction. The issue was everything going on with their family and their home life and their community. And I think being good friends, neighbors, community members and creating strong family units, the government's not gonna do that for you. And we as a society really need to, uh, to create that community again. And uh, I think you elect leaders that understand that and uh, are involved in your community. Um, but at the same time, it, we, we can support it from a governmental standpoint on the enforcement end, even, even a little bit on the rehabilitation end. We've got, we've got some opportunities and, and some need in the North Country for detox facilities and for additional rehab beds um, to make sure that people, when they're addicted, have the options to get out of that cycle of addiction. It's so refreshing um, to but, hear that because, I mean, I just it, it breaks my heart seeing people's instant reaction to be well just lock these these you know these drug users up because they're uh, a stain on society they're just wasting their lives and I don't think people realize that when you lock these people up they're they're going in like you mentioned to this cycle of going to prison serving a, a sentence getting out then just going right back to to using again and it's just, it's this terrible cycle and it really it causes so much more harm than it would be if you were actually to, like you mentioned before, looking at the real uh, root of the problem instead of trying to address the symptom that is the the actual drug use. So, Brian, I uh, and, and and sorry, yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry for this this break, but I, I got to tell you about my palm card for a second because I, I think you'd enjoy it. I probably should have sent it to you for before this thing, uh, but I've got eight rules for government on it, and uh, rule number five is punish the bad guys. And uh, I put that on there specifically because uh, our prison system needs reform and you need to have a clear difference between those who are dealing drugs and preying on our society. You look at this, uh, communities like Ogdensburg or Messina and when this epidemic hit, uh, they moved up from New York City and from New Jersey to literally prey on, on some good hometown people that didn't see this epidemic coming. And uh, it's terrible what it's done to some of our communities there. Agreed. What, what, okay, now I, I you gotta forgive the host here. I was, I was too busy writing down information. What was the third um, main platform point? We have jobs, opioid crisis. Was it infrastructure? I yeah, infrastructure definitely. Yeah, so there. speak to that. Um, I mean, you look at the price of the the Tappan Zee Bridge, and I want to I want to call it the Tappan Zee Bridge and not the uh, Governor Cuomo Memorial Bridge. Um, 
it's but the, the, the royal family up there, it's, just, it's so it's so nauseating. You you look at the cost of the infrastructure projects that uh, New York State invests in, and uh, the cost uh, to instead of you know investing in the MTA or the Tappan Zee Bridge, versus just taking you know pennies on the dollar and investing those in in northern New York, and you could have every bridge and road and sidewalk repaved and redone in northern New York. So my argument there on infrastructure is that we're we're not getting our fair share back. Um, even if, if you watched, and I'm sorry if you did, but if you watched Cynthia Nixon and Governor Cuomo's debate, <laughs> their, uh, their attention to upstate was paltry at best. Yep. And, um, you know, constituents up here don't know congestion pricing, don't care to know it. Uh, it may be very interesting for them to discuss but the bottom line is we're not getting enough attention to the infrastructure problems that we've got here in northern New York. We've got aging infrastructure. We've got bridges that are uh, falling into disrepair. And if you want to create a conduit to business in northern New York, making sure that that infrastructure is laid down uh, is critically important to making sure that we have a bright future. So one of I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Larry Sharp. So Larry Sharp's running for New York State gov or governor as a libertarian. Um, and in this just bizarre um, climate and field of, of candidates we have for uh, New York State Governor, obviously, Andrew Cuomo is running for re-election. You have Mark Molinaro, um, who's running as the Republican candidate. Uh, Larry Sharp as the Libertarian candidate. Cynthia Nixon, uh, I'm not sure if she's still running, but as Working Families, last I saw. Um, yeah. Howie Hawkins for the Green Party. And then Cynthia Mi Cynthia Minor? Is that Cynthia? Uh, Did I get that right? Stephanie Minor, Stephanie the former Minor. mayor of Syracuse. Yeah, yep. running as an independent. So we have a basically a six-way race for New York State governor. And, and Larry's been making moves. I mean, he was on uh, the Rubin Report with Dave Rubin. Uh, most recently, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast um, back uh, last month. And one of the points that Larry brought up, I think it was an absolutely you know phenomenal and ingenious uh, way to look at infrastructure was to emphasize the ability to allow private companies to basically do naming rights, like sponsorships for particular uh, bridges or locks or roads. So almost think of like what we do currently with NFL stadiums. So uh, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. AT&T Stadium uh, down in Texas, that's the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. You have State Farm just uh, purchased the naming rights for the um, the Arizona Cardinals Stadium. So to imagine, instead of having the uh, you know, Andrew Cuomo Memorial Bridge, have it be the Verizon Bridge or the AT&T Bridge. And with that, you know, they're, they're going to be getting all the marketing um, for, you know, you have... Uh, the helicopters driving, you know, flying by, saying, "Oh, traffic's backed up on the uh, the Verizon bridge today," and and with that, basically, Verizon would be required to maintain the maintenance of the bridge. Um, they would have to make sure that they're they're uh, if they want, you know, charge tolls or what have you. It'd be all based on what that individual company did, but then their names associated with the success of that infrastructure project. What are your thoughts on something like uh, like what Larry Sharp was brought forward? I I'd never heard this plan before, so I thought, you know. To something so unique, I just it, it was fascinating. So I want to hear your perspective. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can leverage uh, private sector investment in infrastructure, it's great. Um, but to, two stories, I'll say one. Uh, I in my career in the Army Reserves got to spend some time in Fort Leonard Wood, and I think Budweiser has a highway in Missouri uh, that is actually named after them. And I, I rode down it a few times, and they helped invest in that 
infrastructure, or at least the guardrails or something. It could be a little bit off, but it's not a new concept. And uh, you see it with municipal stadiums. Actually, here in the city of Watertown, um, I was a big proponent of putting the naming rights on the Watertown Municipal Arena. It became political and hot button. And at the end of the day, we didn't sell <laughs> naming rights. Um, so it didn't it didn't work out. But definitely, yeah, something that should be explored. Um, yeah, I hear you. All right, so now this obviously is going to be a little bit down the the platform here, but um, one area that I know New York State's definitely having some issue is education. Um, you know, we're seeing our, our education rates dropping, money's being tossed, you know, billions of dollars at education in New York State, and we're seeing no tangible results. Uh, so, what's the solution to help fix the New York State education problem? Is it to to toss more money at the problem to hope it gets fixed or is it really to basically you know start fresh and try to to build from the bottom up here's i mean here's the thing everybody's going to come up with a new solution for education every time and that usually looks like a new report a new test more regulations uh we have great teachers in new york state we've got capable school boards and superintendents uh that probably need a little bit more autonomy and uh, yeah, I think I think the major thing, especially when you're talking about the 116th Assembly District, is you need advocates that understand poor and rural and small school city district, um, small city school districts, and make sure that the, we're fighting for our fair share up here. Uh, you know, you look at when uh, uh, you remember when the majority in the New York State Senate flipped, and uh, we mm -hmm. also had a. Democratic governor yep. in 2009. Uh, Patterson. Uh, right. So it would all all three, uh, the Senate Assembly and the governorship were all in Democrat hands. And that essentially in New York State, you know, not to sound too partisan, but uh, the Democratic political party base is based in New York City. Uh, that's who they care about. That's who they pay attention to. That's why you saw Cynthia Nixon and Governor Cuomo having that in, in their debate. It was all about New York City and not upstate New York. And the exact same thing happened uh, in 2009 when they controlled all three. All of the all of the funding, there, there were dramatic cuts that year, uh, in large part because of the economy. And they made sure that they pr protected the big five city school districts and New York City school districts. And at the same time, there were devastating cuts that we're still recovering from. They created this thing called the Gap Elimination Adjustment, the GEA, as they call it, um, in education circles. And it devastated poor rural school districts in northern New York, including those in the 116th Assembly District. And it's taken a long time to repair from that. So it's not even <laughs> I think technically the GEA was against the law because in 2007 there was a court mandated school aid formula for New York State that said you will dole out state aid formula in this fashion and this sort of this was the state making the argument well yeah but if we're cutting then we can create our own formula around that and circumvent it um, so it, it went directly against in my view directly against the court order um, but you got to have you got to have legislators that need to point that out um, and want to stand up for those poor rural school districts in northern New York. I mean, we see we've seen an outflow of population. There's no question. But I think we still have great teachers on the ground. We've got great institutions up here in this in this assembly district alone. Uh, we've got uh, five great higher education institutions. So there's a great opportunity to get educated here. It's just after you're educated here. 
Um, and in many cases, you look, so we've got Jefferson Community College, who now calls themselves uh, SUNY Jefferson, and you've got uh, <laughs> SUNY Canton and SUNY Potsdam. Those are all in this district. So let me just paint a scenario for you. And this is a northern New York scenario that is common. Somewhat, you, you go to school here, um, and you get you graduate from high school and you go to one of the SUNY schools locally and you get a scholarship or you get tuition reimbursement or something great, right? So the, the taxpayer in New York state is consistently investing in you um, all the way to 18 and maybe to 21 or 22. Uh, they've invested in you, but then there is no job for you. Right. And you, <laughs> what opportunity do you have to even give back at that point? And that's, yep. I mean, that's the story of, of upstate New York in general. Um, and we're, we're kind of seeing that come full circle. Um, I think now we're seeing the result of this over a couple of decades. And I'm seeing the retirees finally reaching that retirement age and their kids moved out of state. They're in Arizona or mm-hmm. Florida or they're in North Carolina or, you know, maybe they're in Philadelphia and they start to get grandkids. And they say, well, you know, I, I like it up here, but I want to I want to be around my grandkids. And now we're seeing the outflow of that generation as well. Um, so it's 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 tough and it's going to be tough to turn back that tide. But a friendlier business climate and creating some jobs here in northern New York, that's going to turn it around. It's sad, too, because I I think a lot of people more in the, the left leaning politics just say, well, in order to keep. Our, our younger generation around in New York, we, we need to give them more incentives, being we need to promise them universal health care or universal college education. And they don't realize that it's that added cost that's being put onto the older generations that number one, forcing people to move out because they just they don't wanna don't wanna pay the, the excessive tax burden. So you have, you know, the older generation moving down to Florida or, or to Texas where taxes are, are much less expensive. Uh, but then you have a a climate like you mentioned where just there there are no jobs there are no economic opportunities for the these fresh you know right out of college graduates who are looking for the opportunity and the reality is you look across uh, you know the United States there there are other states with you know tons of job surpluses and they're hiring and they're they're paying much more than you get in northern New York or or just New York State in general so. I think it's like we have to to you know speak to our, our democratic and, and just left leaning friends in general, and, and say you know you're you're trying to just toss more and more money at a situation at a problem and you're not failing to it's like it's like you're trying to, to fix someone who has cancer and you see let's you know it's a stupid anecdote but or not anecdote a stupid uh, analogy but you know let's say you know their hand gets all numb from the cancer and you're like all right we gotta cut the hand off like no that you have to take care of the cancer you have to go at the root of the problem very much like you're talking about with the the you know opioid epidemic that we're having in northern new york so it's like it just it's across the board we had to stop trying to, to fix the uh, the symptoms and actually get to the root of the main problem yeah, I mean, well put. If you look at the total cost cost of, and my my opponent supports uh, universal health care, single payer health care in New York State, um, the the total cost of that would be three hundred and seventy three point seven billion, and that's obviously all going to be borne on the on the backs of the taxpayers in New York State. Um, the the cost would be astronomical, and it's funny every time somebody goes to health care and says, "I'm ready to reform the system," they always say that it's going to be cheaper and that it's going to expand to include more people. And I've never understood the simple math on that. And um, <laughs> yeah, there's I, I there's no math. <laughs> 
It's the uh, land of unicorns other, and fairy dust. The the other thing, and since we were talking about higher education, the other thing I, I wanted to talk about is the uh, the Dream Act, and I had some press on this last week uh, because my my opponent supports this thing called the Dream Act in New York State, and it would extend those same tuition credits and uh, tuition assistance um, programs in New York State to uh, individuals that aren't just a, they're not a resident of New York State, uh, but they're not a resident of the country. They're non-U.S. citizens. And um, I, I think that's exactly one of those things that kowtows to a certain population in New York City and really isn't in line with the values of the 116th Assembly District. And one of, one of the funny, it's not even funny, but one of the, one of the things to keep in mind here is they don't even know the fiscal impact of this. And, you know, she's voted for it eight times now. And to not ask the simple question, how much is this going to cost the taxpayer of New York State? Um, and, and just vote for it because uh, it's in line with New York City politics. I mean, that's the wrong direction, especially for us here in northern New York. 100% agree, sir. Um, so we're getting towards the end of the interview. And uh, this, so this is the reason I love doing these types of, uh, of shows where it's it's a long form. You know, we get to have a real conversation and and. You know, it, it's much more than just the, uh, you know, the, the Watertown Daily Times uh, or the, the, the Augensburg Journal doing a, a quick, you know, bio on, on Mark Molzik. Like, we actually get to, like, dig into the issues. Um, so, so with that being said, I think it's a great opportunity for you, in your own words to an audience, to, to give your, your real pitch. You know, why should folks in northern New York... Uh, vote for Mark Walzak over the status quo in Addie Jean, uh, the 10-year Democratic incumbent in uh, the 116th Assembly District. All right, well, we hit my resume uh, up front, but I want to hit some uh, principles. And uh, I, I think the first one that I want to say before I hit the rules of government is that government exists to protect our freedoms and not to restrict them. And I think that's, uh, that's really key. And if you ask, so whenever you're voting and, and for whoever you're voting for, I think if you stick to the principles over the issues, you're going to be a lot better off in the long run. Um, the issues can, can tend to change and manipulate based on talking points day to day. Uh, but if you really understand the core principles and somebody is in line with those, uh, you know the product that you're going to get in a representative democracy. And let me just hit some of my, uh, my rules for government. They're basic, but... If you think about them for a second, they make a lot of sense. Um, one is to be accountable. Two is to leave good people alone. Three is to keep your hands in your own pockets. Four is to use common sense. Five we already talked about is to punish the bad guys. Six is to keep your hands off of the free market. Seven is that openness actually makes better policy. That's something I'm huge on. And the eighth one is to just be a good person. And I guess I could uh, add a ninth, and that's uh, don't hurt people and don't take people's stuff. Oh, oh, oh. you know your audience. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, Mark, I mean, dude, it's it's been great having you on. I, uh, I'm so excited to see you taking this step. And, and I think of all the candidates, and this is no disrespect to uh, my, my former boss in, in Dave Forsythe, but I think – since 2008, you are easily the best candidate that New York State 116th has run as a Republican um, to, to unseat uh, Addie Jean. 
um, or Eddie Jenny. But I mean, with that, where can folks go ahead and and support you? Not only um, on social media, but where can they find more about your 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 platform? And where could they maybe go ahead and support you financially? Oh man, I'm on uh, I'm on all the stuff. So we got a website, uh, WalzikForAssembly.com, and that's Walzik Whiskey Alpha Lima Charlie Zulu Yankee Kilo, <laughs> uh, the number four Assembly.com. Uh, you can reach us directly at 315-775-8552. Hit us up on the email, and that's friendsofwalzik at gmail. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Insta, SoundCloud, Snapchat. You name it. Like I think it's really important to be accessible. Um, so feel free to reach out anytime. And I'll, I'll be sure to include the uh, the links there in the show notes. But uh, with that being said, Mark Walzik, thank you so much, sir, for uh, – for taking the time to join me today. I mean, I think it was a great opportunity again for my audience to to get to meet you, um, to learn more about your platform, the nine rules for government, including the uh, the last libertarian one, don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff. Um, but with that being said, sir, I, I really do appreciate your, uh, your taking the time here on a very busy campaign schedule to... Uh, to speak with us, and I hope that this audio or this uh, this podcast will be a great opportunity for people to to learn more about you up in Northern New York. And and hey, man, I'm 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 pulling for you election day. I wish I could vote for you. Unfortunately, being down here in Philly, I cannot. But I cannot encourage people enough to go out and cast their vote for Mark Walzik coming up here in November. Uh, but with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, please take a minute and go ahead and follow Mark over on social media. Check him out online. Again, Walzik for Assembly. Check the show notes if you want to go ahead and uh, find Mark online. Uh, but with that being said, if you want to find me online, again, Twitter and Facebook, at B Nichols Liberty. And as always, if you're interested in making a one-time donation to The Brian Nichols Show, swing over to PayPal, and it's Show at gmail.com. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off on The Brian Nichols Show for Mark Walzik, Assembly candidate in the 116th Assembly District in Northern New York. We'll see you next week.